0: This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church Kaiabrum. You can visit us at Good Morning, and um, I was just praying, and I just really had an impression that Holy Spirit wants to do some business in this place tonight, and so I'm excited. I've got my illustration set up. Everyone's just like wondering what's going on. You will find out in due time. But hey, God is good. God has a word for you this evening, and I said this morning. So we're just going to pray. i love to pray. Let's pray again. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We invite you to speak to our hearts. God, we just pray that any turmoil, any circumstance, any situation— Lord God that might be distracting us in this place will cease. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that by word, God, you created the stars and the light. And so, God, we say uh, any noise in our head to cease. God, any distraction to to be nil, God, we just invite you in this place to come and speak. God, we need revelation. God, we cannot live on man's revelation. We cannot live on our own knowledge of things that's going on in the world. We need heavenly inspired revelation. And so God, we just ask that Lord, our hearts will be open to receive this evening. God, you would speak and Lord, we would listen. Amen. Didn't Pastor Jazz bring an incredible word last weekend? I really, I love, sorry, I love this scene that we're looking at at the moment. And I really enjoyed how She actually brought out the different seasons and and what they mean in the spiritual and in the natural. Um, So Pastor Jazz, if you're watching, incredible message. I took so many notes and I hope you guys did too. It's good to write notes in church. And um, yeah, so it it started uh, a a thought in my own heart. And um, last semester in Bible college, um, I think I had to do like seven references for an assignment Um, And so when that happens, I, like, get every single book I own and, like, flick through. And I'm like, anything, can I, like, shove it into that paragraph? And it looks like I've done a lot of research. Um, And so I was doing this in my office one time, and I picked up um, Deborah Hilton's book, Um, Just Say Yes. Um, And it probably had nothing to do with my essay. It made it in there. And, um, And so I was reading this book, and... Um, who knows Deborah Hilton's story Deborah and Paul they're incredible they're uh, missionaries in Vietnam I actually had the opportunity in 2012 feels so like a lifetime ago uh, to actually go over to Vietnam and to minister with them and um, Deborah actually gave me uh, her book when when she visited the church and so I'm reading this book and I'm like oh Lord I just need like one one little thing that's kind of related but i'll try and like fit it in somewhere and I'm reading her story and it's quite incredible and basically she's just had her her dream come true they just think they built their house or purchased a house for the first time and they're sitting in their lounge room and God says would you give this all up would you give this all up if I asked you to would you give this all up and as Christians you know like yes God I'll do anything for you but she actually was like, I don't know. I don't know if I could give this all up. And so what she had to do was she went and prayed about it, her and her husband. And um, it, it took a couple of weeks. And they said, you know what, God, if you asked us to give this all up, we would. We would give away our house. We would We would move wherever you ask us to do, uh, wherever to go. Lord, yes, if you ask us to, we would give it all up. And what end up, ends up happening, I think three years after that, is they actually get asked to move. And um, if you know her story, uh, they had a business and it like it went wrong, right? Like they moved to Tasmania and all this stuff goes down and they end up thinking, what have we done? Anyone been there? Lord, Like you've asked me to do this. What have I done? So it all went wrong, right? And so it, it got me thinking, we say yes to so much in life. We say yes to so much in life. Do you want extra fries with that? Yes, obviously. Is that a question? Do you want to come on a road trip with me? Yeah, sure, why not? And so we are so quick to say yes to so much in life, but then when God asks us to do something, it's not always a yes, it's a I don't know, maybe. Ooh, there's almost a hesitation there. And there might be something holding us back and taking that next step in faith. And so I actually came up with a list. And I was like, okay, so what are some things that stop us? You know, what are some things that hold us back from saying yes to God? So if you're taking notes in this place, we're going to look at three different things that hold us back from saying yes to God. And The first thing is fear of the unknown. We like to know where we are going, right? You know, if you're in a car and you're driving somewhere, I don't know about you, But I like to know my destination. I even like to know the parking situation when I arrive. Anyone else? It makes me anxious when I'm going somewhere. So uh, with my role with Youth Alive, I have to go down to Melbourne quite a lot for meetings. And my first thing is, where am I going to park my car? Do I have to pay for it? Do I have to walk like ages to get to the meeting? Where am I going to park? And it stresses me out when they don't give me an answer oh, you know, there's some side shape. No. No. Where am I going? I'm not going to the meeting anymore. you stressed me out so much. I actually did that one time. It stressed me out so much that I said I was sick and I didn't go to the meeting because it was too stressful. I need to know where I'm going. And we like to know this. We don't enjoy being lost. And in life I've learned that there are healthy fears and there are unhealthy fears. A healthy fear is being scared of fire. Right? You don't jump into the fire, hopefully. You don't play with fire, hopefully, although if your name is Mark Turner, you love to play with fire. We all know that. We just had a youth camp, and I had to tell a kid to get their shoe out of the fire. Now, I didn't think that that would be something I had to do, but boys are fascinated with fire, fascinated with fire. So there are all these healthy fears. They keep us safe. You know, you don't aggravate a shark if you come across one, unless you want to be dinner like these are things that we know right we don't run out in front of cars because they're big danger it's not good but unhealthy fear it's what keeps us in limbo you know it can be irrational thinking and it can lead us into a place where we feel like we're going to miss out it's when we think of everything that can go wrong and even if it's irrational to think that way so like I said before I struggle with anxiety and um It can get to, uh, fast forward back a couple of years, it got to a a point where I was having panic attacks that would last hours. Like, it was crazy. It was a cycle of laughing, crying, like just, it was crazy. And I'd be on the floor hyperventilating and then I'd start laughing and then I'd start crying and it was crazy. And actually, uh, I ended up in counseling because of it. And what we discovered was I had a lot of undealt with grief in my life. Um, if you know anything about my family, we have experienced a lot of death in our lives. Like I lost all my grandparents, lost my uncle, my dad's cousin passed away, like crazy, right? And so I experienced anxiety and I got diagnosed with anxiety disorder. And so I have irrational, irrational fears, right? I have irrational thinking. Um, parking situation, maybe that's not scary for some people, but actually like freaks me out, right? And so... I'm going through life, and I'm like, okay, is this an irrational fear? Is this a healthy fear? Is this an unhealthy fear? And it almost keeps me in a limbo. Now, not everyone is going to experience that, and praise God, I do not wish it upon anyone. It is the worst. There has never been a time in my life where I'm like, I wish you had anxiety, so you would, no, I, I don't wish that. And so even though you may not have that experience of fear like I have in my life, we have all had moments of fear, right? we all experienced fear. Maybe we've to do something that scares us. Um, maybe we're not sure where we're going. That scares us. Um, you know, driving in a car, not sure where you're going. Terrifying, right? And so everyone can see my little cone. So I'm actually gonna get my helpers um, because I came up with this illustration to describe the fear of the unknown. So if you guys wanna jump up, we're gonna Move this real quick. Okay, so I've got my two helpers here, and what's going to happen is one of them is going to be blindfolded. Yeah, they're they're both like, you do it. Who's going to be the blindfolded one? Fantastic, Isabel. There you go. Oh dear. Join a triangle. No, okay. I won't micromanage my illustration. I'll just let it happen. Good job, guys. Okay, so you can start there if you'd like. Okay. So, what's going to happen? Isabel's blind right now, right? You have no idea where you're going. You probably don't remember the path. But Piper has complete vision, right? She's got complete vision of this path. She knows where to lead Isabel. So, Piper, with only her words, is going to lead Isabel through this obstacle course. So, Isabel, you need to have your listening ears on. And Piper is going to teach you the pathway so you don't crash into a cone, okay? Does that make sense? The one who is meant to be the visual one has no idea what's going on. So you're going to lead Isabel through the cranes. That was incredible. It actually took so many people to want to do this illustration. Now I see why. The test of friendship at its finest. Good job, guys. We're going to have to vacuum the carpet after this. Isabel could not see the course, right? She had no idea. Maybe she had seen the path but she couldn't remember what it looked like. She was blindfolded, she wasn't quite sure where she was going, there was unknown there. But Piper, Piper knew the course, Piper knew the path because she could see it laid out. Piper could see every nook and cranny, Piper could see where Isabel needed to turn left or right because it was familiar to her because not only did she help me create the path, but she could see the path laid out. So Isabel couldn't see, she had to rely on Piper's voice. And because they're friends they're familiar with one another and so when I did this illustration I wanted people to be familiar with each other because if you're not familiar with somebody you don't always have trust with that person she was stepping out into unknown territory but because they trust each other Isabel was able to listen to Piper's voice for the direction of the path Piper was there right beside her she didn't leave her side even though she might have got out of the way so that isabel could get through the path she was still there are, are, you, are you picking up what i'm putting down here church god sees the path because god created the path god is the creator of the path so when god asks us to step out into the unknown we can trust come on church we can trust that he has our best interests at heart now Piper, she could have made her run into the subwoofer she could have made her run into a couple of and she did god's not going to do that God has our best interests at heart. God has our best interests at heart, and he wants us to complete the path. He wants us to get through the course safely. But what do we need to do? We need to be familiar with his voice. If you're not familiar with someone's voice, why would you listen to that person? You know, if someone random was down the street, and I was walking by, and they were trying to tell me something, and it was a bit whack, I probably wouldn't listen to them because they're not familiar with that person. But if one of my youth, one of my family members, one of my friends was like, hey, Chloe, I'd probably take care to listen to their voice. I'd probably pay attention. And so, so many times in our life, we go through walking through these pathways, but because we don't know God's voice, because we're not familiar with the character of God, because we're not quite sure where he's leading us, maybe we don't have trust where he is leading us. Maybe we don't trust that he's got our best intentions at heart. Maybe we don't trust that the path that, lay, that is laid out for us is clear. Maybe we're unsure. Maybe we can't take that first step because we're not familiar with the voice. We must be familiar with the voice. Otherwise, the fear of the unknown will conquer us, will stop us. You know, if Isabel was so petrified of this obstacle course, she didn't quite know what was going on, she probably wouldn't have put her head up to do it. But because she trusts me, because she trusts Piper, she trusts the voice... She, she trusted the vision. She trusted that we were able to set out a path for her that she could get through, that she could go through safely. She trusted us. We put our trust in so many different things in so many different people. But yet, when the creator of the path, the creator of the universe asks us to step out in faith, why do we hesitate? Why do we hesitate? Because God knows, God sees, God is already in our future. God has the blueprint, but it's up to us to just say, hey God, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to step out and say, I'm just going to step out and say. Sometimes when we step out into unknown territory, we just have a small piece of that puzzle. Maybe we could have said, hey, Isabel, here's one cone. You can see this one cone. Now you have to figure out the rest. Because sometimes... I'm not saying that God just completely blinds us and says, there you go, good luck. No, 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 God gives us a little light for our feet. What does it say in Psalms? That we have a light for our feet. And so sometimes we have a little bit of light, we have a little piece of that puzzle, we just got to hold on to it and say, God, I'm not quite sure, but I know you created this path. I know that you know how to lead me through this path. I love what it says in Proverbs 16, if you want to turn there with me. We've got a lot of scripture tonight, so get ready to flick through that Bible. Proverbs 16, we're going to read from verse 1. And I think I've got NLT and NIV, so I'm I'm not sure I didn't write down. Sorry. (laughs) So in verse 1 it says, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives commit your actions to the lord and your plans will succeed and then my say fa- one of my favorite verses is in, is in verse nine and it says we can make our plans but the lord determines our steps see isabel could have made her own plan right she could have been like i'm not listening to piper i'm just gonna run through like they're just cones right but piper gave the right answer sometimes because she saw the path they forgot their lesson right was great Isabel could have tried to make her own path without the knowledge of what the path looks like, or the knowledge of where she needed to go, and it could have been a disaster. It could have wrecked my whole sermon illustration and I could have just, just sit down, just sit down, you, you've done enough damage. I'm sick of you all, no, I'm not sick of you all. But they had to trust each other to lead them through the path. And so the second thing that I saw and came up with is a lack of trust, and this goes hand in hand with the illustration as well. And so they didn't trust each other the whole thing. They could have stood there yelling at each other. There could have been a massive argument. They could have just been like, I'm not helping you. It would have fallen apart. So there needed to be trust in between them. Because if one of them believed that the other one was out to get them, why would they move? Why would they take that step? If you can't trust that someone has your best interest at heart, you don't always want to act when somebody asks you to do something, right? There's always like a little thing in the back of our minds. It's like, can I actually trust you? And I don't know about you, but I've found in my own life that when someone breaks my trust, it's pretty hard to get it back. Trust is something so precious. And once it's broken, it's really hard to get it back. And so if somebody who breaks your trust tries to ask you to do something, you're probably going to hesitate. You're probably not going to want to do what they've asked you to do can have the same attitude with God, not that he's ever broken our trust, but we're kind of teetering on the edge, and we're like, can we really trust you, God? Do you really have my best interests at heart? Do you actually have a way for me to get through this path, to do this plan that you have for me? And we're kind of just standing there, ready to jump off, but there's something holding us back, and it's the trust. You know, we do things like trustful, and what stops that person from completely letting go? Trust. Trust is so important. I find it funny because as Christians, we're so easily, like we defend ourselves like, no, no, I trust God, but this. Or I trust God with this, but I'm actually going to hold on to this part because I think I know better or I think I know what I need to do. And we've all done it. We've all done it. We're so quick to say, yes, I trust God with this, this, and this, but maybe I'm going to hold on to this. Or, or maybe maybe I've got a better idea. Or, or maybe I know best. And we don't like to admit that, but it's always our actions that actually demonstrate that that's what our hard attitude is. We are able to trust God until it requires sacrifice, because sacrifice hurts. We don't like giving up stuff when we don't understand what the reward will be. You know, if I said to you in this place, God told me you all had to give up your phones, but you didn't know that I had a better phone for you, or you didn't know that I had something better for you, you probably wouldn't give up your phone, right? Because the sacrifice doesn't always have a reward, Why it's a sacrifice. It's saying, God, I lay myself on the altar. God, I'm not quite sure what this is going to do. I'm not quite sure what you're asking of me, but you've asked me to sacrifice. You've asked me to place you above something. Maybe we need to sacrifice Netflix time in our life. Maybe we need to sacrifice maybe even some more money toward something God's asked us to do. Maybe we need to sponsor a child. What do we need to sacrifice? It requires us putting something above our own desires. the last thing that holds us back from saying yes to God is a limited image of God. A limited image of God. We don't like limits. We don't like people telling us what we can and can't do. As humans, we don't enjoy it. If you're stubborn like me, someone tells you not to do something, I kind of want to do it. Sometimes I just want to, you know, push the buttons a little bit, see how far how far I can get. Speed limits. We don't like speed limits. Time limits. We don't like those. You know, if we're in a work situation and our boss comes up to us and says, you have this amount of time to get it done. We don't like that. Some people, it makes them work harder, but other people just shut down completely. You know, when I did my year 12 exams, time flies when you're in those exams because of the limit, the time limit, money limitations, you know, maybe there's something we desire, but we don't have enough money for it, we don't have enough money to finance that, we don't like that. And for myself personally, local range limits. I don't enjoy that I can't just sing whatever note I want, and it won't always sound good. So when I was in year 12, I did VCE music, and there was two components of the exam. The first part was we had to sing five songs, five different genres, accompanied, and um, I think we had to have a backing track in front of a panel of three people. And they literally, like arms crossed, stone-faced, singing your heart out to them, do not want to borrow it. So that was the first part of the exam, and the second part was the written part. And so in order to prepare for my, my um, performance part of the exam, I did singing lessons at Delmac. And my singing teacher and I were coming up with some songs to suit my vocal range as well as meet the requirements for the exam. You had seven minutes. If you went over, they turned off the timer and they told you to leave in the middle of your exam. So you had to be on par with your timing. And so I'm talking to my, my singing teacher and she, she says to me, I want you to sing Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush. But any Kate Bush fans, she is crazy. I don't know if you've heard some of her songs, but she like scales high notes, like insanely crazy. And I looked at my singing teacher and I laughed at her and I said, I cannot sing that, that is too high. She looked at me and said, that is not too high for you, you are gonna sing it. And so I'm singing this song, my voice is breaking, it was not pretty, but I did it. And it actually ended up being one of my best songs for my exam. It is a crazy high song. There's all these vocal gymnastics. You've got to go your head voice, your chest voice. Like, it's, it's insane. But it ended up being one of my best songs, and I sung it at a chaplaincy dinner. I sung it at assembly in front of the whole school. They're like, oh, you're that lady who did the weird song, the really high song. I'm like, yeah, my name is Chloe. And so I sung this song, and I, I, I practiced it for a, a year, and I learned all the parts. I just remember thinking my singing teacher was right. My singing teacher was right. I'm glad that I listened to her. My my teacher saw past my perceived limit. I told her I couldn't do it, but she's like, "I believe in you. You can do it. Let's have a go." She wanted me to trust in her expect her her oh my goodness, I just forgot how to say that word expertise. My goodness, and trust that she knew better than me. She's been I don't know how long she's been a singing teacher for, but She's probably had lots of students come to her and say, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But she knew my vocal abilities because she listened to me week in, week out, singing scales, probably not great at sometimes. Sometimes I didn't want to do them at all, but she wanted me to trust and believe in her. And we put limits on our own abilities, but we limit God by our lack of expectation. You know, we try and put him in a box and we say, God, this is your box and you're to stay here and you're not to do anything outside this box because my expectation is this, where God's like, nah, if you would just, if you would just trust me, if you would just trust me, I can exceed your expectations because God is limitless, but we put limits with our own expectations and we start to say, God, you can only do this. God, you can only do that. God, you can't do anything with me. And so you start to limit God. You start to limit God with your own expectations of what he can do and who he can be to you. God can't be contained. He doesn't want to be contained. So just like Liz said to me, Chloe, you can sing that song. I believe in you. I see partial limits. You know, I started to say, you know what, I can sing this song. I can sing this song. I can do it, and I practiced, and I worked hard at it, and I did my exam, and I did pretty well in my exam. But I had to trust that she knew me better than I knew myself. Because I limited my expectation of myself was I couldn't do it. But her expectation of me was, no, you've got this. You can do it. Because if we just live inside our little comfort zone and we don't step out, we don't try, we don't say, hey, God, I'm not quite sure, but I'm just going to have a go, then we will never know. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life with regret. I don't know if I would have regretted not singing that song if I just flat out refused. But I know how it felt when I came back to her and I said I did it. I sung it in my exam. We're going to turn to Hebrews 11. We're going to start at verse 1. And this is known as the faith chapter. And so it says in verse 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel bought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes from by faith. So I want to quickly look at, we're probably only going to get time to look at one person, but I came up with a, a couple of people in the Bible who said yes to God, because that's what we're focusing on. Give God your biggest yes. And so these people said yes to God even when it didn't make sense, even when they didn't understand, when people called them crazy, they held tightly to God's words. We're going to turn to Genesis 6. and We're going to start at verse 9. We're starting at verse 9. that says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was a father of three sons: Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and filled with violence. God observed all the corruption in the world, for so everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, "I have decided to destroy, destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them. I will wipe them out along with the earth." Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls through its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof and all all the way around the boat. Put a door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife, your sons, and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male, a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. So I love this story of Noah and the flood, and it's iconic. And he heard from God that there was going to be a huge flood, and he needed to build this boat. And I love the thing about God is that he had specific measurements and instructions. Noah had heard, and he said yes. But what we don't think about is Gertrude and Patricia down the road constantly criticizing Noah for this boat. Can you just imagine he's in his front yard building this boat and they come along and they're like, nice boat you got there. Has not rained for a while? Planning to go on fishing? And Noah's like, no, nah, it's the end of the world. Like, I'm building this boat to save us from the flood. And week after week, month after month, year after year, these ladies just continuously criticize him, hasn't rained yet. How embarrassing for you maybe you heard wrong, maybe it's the wrong year, maybe it's the wrong time. It's not too late to give up, just call it quits and go home. He was working away and he was like, but I've heard from God and I said yes. And that was enough for him. You know, these people, they didn't know that God had spoken to Noah and they didn't have the conversations that Noah was having. They weren't in the room, so he didn't let them speak into the situation. They weren't in the room, So he didn't let them speak into the situation. Why are we letting people who weren't in the room speak into our situations? They weren't on the floor with you when you're praying about that. When you were tear-stained face, your knees are in the carpet, praying for a miracle, praying for that breakthrough, and if someone comes along and tells you that you've heard wrong, why do we let that person speak into our lives when they weren't there in that situation? When they weren't there in that moment, Those women, they weren't with Noah when God downloaded the detailed plan for the ark. So he didn't let them speak into that situation because he understood that God had given him authority to do this plan. God had given him sole responsibility to build this ark. And there are so many times in our lives where there's one person or there's a group of people and they constantly criticize us. They constantly tell us why it won't work, why we can't do it. Maybe we've heard wrong, but they weren't in the room. They weren't in the room. And so we need to have our own conviction that I have heard from God. I have heard from God. I don't need you to tell me that I haven't because you weren't in the room. You weren't in the room. hope you want to jump out for me. Person, they weren't there when you had that conversation with God. You know, I love what it says in Matthew. It says, "Close the door and seek your Father." And what is done in secret will be rewarded in heaven. In secret, see behind the scenes. You know, one time I had a, a pastor and he prophesied to me, and he said, "The roots that you have dug, the roots that you have established." No one will ever see the work that you do behind the scenes, but your ministry will flourish because of them. You to be okay with the fact that people will never see you in your quiet place. People will never see you on the floor crying out to God. That is the secret place for a reason. Somehow we allow other people to disturb what happens in the secret place. Somehow we allow people to speak into our lives when they weren't in the secret place. And so I just had a conviction in my heart and I was just like, okay, my youth be on the ground crying out for them, praying for them, breaking things off their lives, and I'm okay with that. Because it's a secret place. And so then when people come to me and say, Freedom Youth is this and Freedom Youth is that and you're that, I'm like, well, you weren't in the room with me when God gave me that word. When God gave me that vision, you weren't in the room, so therefore you don't get to speak into that situation. You weren't in the room. Because it's a secret place for a reason. It's a secret place for a reason. I know time has gone, but as I was praying this morning, I just had such an impression on my heart that we just needed to open up the altar and we can pray for you if you needed to pray for you. Our team can come and pray. But what God was saying to me was we need to actually have a physical demonstration of saying yes to God. Because it's so easy to stand in our seats and sit in our seats and say, yes, God, I'm going to do that. But God is asking, would you actually step out in faith? Would you actually come out the front? Would you actually get out of your seats? Come stand in the altar, the place of sacrifice. Would you say yes to me? And so what we're going to do is we're going to get the band back up and we're going to sing a song and I'm just going to open up the altar and if you want to come forth and you want to say yes to God, yes to a call, yes to a vision, yes to a plan, whatever it may be, you don't even need me to pray for you. Just come forward. We're going to pray. And we're going to do some business with God because too many of us have let people who weren't in the room speak into our situation. And I just have like a righteous, almost anger, (laughs) that people have tried to steal our destinies. People have tried to steal the dreams and the visions that God has given us. And God is saying enough is enough. Come on, church, would you stand, would you rise? Oh, Holy Spirit. Because they weren't in the room. They didn't hear. They didn't see. They didn't feel. They didn't understand the impression that God has placed on your heart. And so we're going to take it back. You know, when I wrote restoration, when I got the, the, the word, the gates of hell will never prevail, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those songs. It's going to be a fight song. It's going to be a song of revival. It's going to be a battle cry song. The gates of hell will never prevail. The enemy will never prevail. Those people who try to steal that from you, they will never prevail because you were in the room. And so we're going to sing And if you want prayer, just indicate to me, I'll come pray for you. If you just want to be, I'll let you be. But come on, church, just say yes. Just say yes. Because we give our yes to so many things, but God should be our biggest yes. God should be our biggest amen. God should be the one that we say, hey, Lord, I don't understand, but yes, but yes. So we're going to sing a song that my mom chooses. And we will just minister and just allow Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabrum.com.